Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some new SERP features that you might have noticed. A few people on Twitter in the SEO community have been talking about these pros and cons annotations. There are others as well. But when I saw these, it got me pretty excited about what Google's doing because it shows that Google is actually able to look at content, understand content, and understand uh, a little bit more about which content is meeting the intent, meeting the needs of searchers. I wrote an article about this recently, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, If you are listening to this on a podcast app like uh, Spotify or any of those, uh, I'm going to do my best to make it so that it makes perfect sense without seeing visuals. But this is also on our YouTube channel where uh, you can see visuals uh, about the patent and about uh, some of the examples that I'm going to be sharing here. So these pros and cons SERP annotations, here's an example of one. Um, Larceny Bourbon. If you do a search for Larceny Bourbon, you'll get uh, this list of, um, of search results and you'll see the normal uh, title tag or maybe Google has rewritten your title tag. You'll see the normal search snippet uh, that we're used to seeing. And then for many of the results, you're going to see pros and cons. Now, one of the uh, examples that was shown to me on Twitter uh, was a site called GentlemanRanters.com. And it says pros and cons, smooth and tasty bourbon, great flavor profile, reasonable price point. So where does Google get this information from? It's not structured data. A lot of people had wondered if, uh, because I believe there is structured data for pros and cons, that you can mark up. You can basically tell machine reading systems that, look, this part of the page is about this. And it's easier for uh, an algorithm or a a search engine like Google uh, to be able to determine, yes, this piece of content is a phone number. This piece of content is uh, an address. We're used to marking things up with schema. This information, though, was not marked up, it was pulled directly from the page. When you go to this site, gentlemanranters.com, you'll see a paragraph that says, today, larceny is known as a smooth and tasty bourbon. Well, those words, smooth and tasty bourbon, were pulled out uh, from that page and used as an annotation saying it was one of the pros, I suppose, uh, of uh, of this page. Um, it also says, and its reasonable price point means it graces, graces the shelves of many a well-respected bourbon collection. Um, I, I have a, a funny story to tell here. I uh, I am not uh, up to date with what uh, what bourbon is good. <laughs> um, and years ago, I wanted to buy David, my husband, uh, a gift for his birthday. And uh, I went into the liquor store and I said, just give me a really, really good whiskey. And they gave me... Um, Lafrag. Now, if you know, uh, and I believe Lafrag is a Scotch, uh, so if you know Lafrag, it's very, very unique. And uh, I actually, um, we hated it. <laughs> we opened it up. We thought maybe the bottle had gone bad because uh, it smelled like cheap rubber shoes. Uh, and we actually took it back to the store and wondered if it had gone bad. And they said, no, 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 this is uh, this is just the way it is. I looked up the pros and cons. I actually did a search for Lafrag and uh, one of the uh, first results had pros and cons. And the first uh, thing said unpleasant chemical and rubber taste. <laughs> and it's very interesting that, you know, that's exactly what stood out to me. Um, if I was doing a search as a, as a searcher, these are the types of things that I want to know when I'm doing a, a search about a particular product. So going back to the larceny bourbon, um, 
And maybe if you uh, uh, if you want to correct me about my use of bourbon, whiskey, scotch, whatever, feel free. But uh, I'm not an expert by any means on uh, on alcohol. Um, there were uh, a number of sites uh, that um, Google gave in the search results. Uh, pros and cons. Another one from the whiskeyjug.com, the pros and cons in the search results say full of flavor, nice feel, far smoother and easier to drink. Uh, another site, whiskeyfortheages.com, says the pros and cons are flavors are well blended, a lingering warmth for the throat finishes nicely. And if you click on, uh, these all have an option to view a full list. If you click on that, you actually just get taken to the page and you need to search through the content to find uh, where this information is. And some of them are a little bit structured in the sense that um, it might say taste profile and the content that is um, on that page will have the words that Google has pulled out for pros and cons. Uh, but uh, really, these are not structured data. So I, I tweeted about this. I wrote this article and Simone de Palma uh, tweeted and he wrote a very good article as well, which I'll link to in the, uh, the show notes. Um, his is much more detailed than mine talking about uh, how uh, Google uses, um, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit, engrams potentially and other things like that in order to pull this information. And Simone de Palma says, uh, these aren't rich results, but they're annotations. The pros and cons are annotations. And there are other annotations that this patent that I'm going to talk about in a minute uh, discuss as well. He says, the search engine can extract the most positive and negative engrams from a page. Uh, and so there's, there's a lot more to this. Engrams are basically collections of words or phrases that are taken from a page and they can be used to predict the next word in a sentence. Uh, and what they do is they take the previous words in an engram and they compute the probability of each word happening, given these previous words. And then that probability can be used to predict the next word in the sequence. So let me give you an example. If I had a sentence that says, I like to eat pizza, there's a model, a bigram model, so that means you're looking at two n-grams, that would compute the probability of the word eat, given that the first uh, phrase was, I like to. And then a trigram model, using three uh, words or phrases, could compute the probability of the, the next word being pizza. And so um, natural language processing can be used to determine what is likely this phrase talking about. How is it likely to end? Uh, so this patent, which I will link to in the show notes as well, was published in December of 2021 uh, and granted to Google. And it describes a framework that can take information about products from a whole bunch of different sources. So in the patent, they talk about things called items. These items might be books, they might be applications, uh, they might be a service that's offered in a store. Uh, they say even hotels, restaurants, flights. Uh, they could be um, uh, entities. Uh, and the most uh, examples that are given in the patent and the ones that are probably most relevant to us are products. Uh, and Google has been really, really putting a push on products. In our newsletter this week, we, um, we wrote about uh, several different SERP changes that are in, results, uh, in, in regards to products. Uh, Google is really, really pushing 
pushing the idea of helping users find products online. Uh, if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, you know I have this theory that uh, Google is probably going to overtake Amazon as the place where people go to buy stuff. Um, not necessarily in shipping. Amazon is really, really good at, uh, are they good at shipping? They, they have a lot of uh, things in place for shipping. Um, but Google, I think, is going to be trying to refer people to actual vendors of these products. And instead of buying um, products that are uh, recommended on Amazon because they've figured out how to game Amazon's uh, algorithm, Google can recommend products uh, that um, come from reputable vendors. And, uh, you know, all of this talk about EAT and actual real-life expertise and trustworthiness are things that are probably going to feed into this uh, this this uh, product or this way that Google is going to help us shop. Uh, I think it's already starting to happen. If you're not using Google Lens, I'd expe- uh, I'd encourage you to experiment with it. Uh, the other night, uh, again, gosh, we we're going to talk about alcohol. I had uh, some friends over, and I was trying to explain this, and we looked at. Uh, I used Google Lens on uh, a bottle of wine, and it took me right to the manufacturer of that wine. Uh, And so if my friends had wanted to purchase it, they could buy it right from that manufacturer. So when we're talking about these pros and cons annotations, the items that are mentioned in this patent are products. So in this case, the example that I gave was larceny bourbon. Um, And then the patent describes terms. The terms are things that can be used to describe the items. These are uh, generally engrams, although they say they can basically be terms, phrases, or engrams. And these uh, phrases, terms, or engrams are taken from either a description of the product, so the way that we've written out and described the product. Uh, They can be taken from reviews, uh, about from user reviews about the product, which is really, really interesting. I'm going to share in a minute uh, some thoughts on how we can take advantage of this, how we can make better content uh, by having this information that uh, Google may be looking at the reviews that are on our pages, or if you sell a product, the reviews that are on other people's pages uh, uh, that are talking about this product. Um, and also they can be taken from, yes, other pages, a web document, a PDF, etc., that talks about this particular item or product. Um, And so the system, what it describes, the patent describes that uh, Google can look at uh, a list of products and for each product they can generate a list of engrams that occur in either uh, describing the product, in reviews about the product, or in other pages that talk about it. So when we see pros and cons in the search results for Larceny Bourbon, Google's determined that Larceny Bourbon here is the product or the item, and they've extracted attributes that describe this product. Um, The patent does not mention sentiment, uh, but I think it would be very easy. We know that natural language, if you use the natural language processing tool that's free for anybody to use, I'll link to that as well, Um, and it's really, really fun to play around with it. You can put a a piece of uh, text into this tool, and it will tell you what is the sentiment of each of the sentences. And so I think it would be very easy for Google's algorithms to say, all right, well, now we've got a list of attributes that describe this product, which ones are positive, which ones are negative, so pros versus 
cons. So why would Google do this? Why would they go to the effort of doing this? The patent says this, the annotation provides justification for the rank of the search result, and it might result in fewer follow-on queries, meaning that uh, the searcher is less likely to do a whole bunch of searches uh, because this query, it says, because the user has a level of confidence that the results match the intent. Now, we've talked an awful lot about intent lately, and a lot of people in SEO talk about intent in terms of, um, is it transactional? Is it informational? Is it maybe navigational? Uh, Olaf Kopp had a really, really excellent article, uh, both on search engine land and another accompanying one on his website, which uh, talks about micro intents. And uh, I think I'll probably talk about that in future podcasts. We'll see if maybe Olaf and I can, can do that. We'll see uh, uh, how things go. Um, the patent talks about other types of annotations that can be derived in the same way. So it's not just pros and cons. For one example, you might see an annotation that says mentioned on. And the example that's given in the patent says uh, if somebody did a search for headphones, the first search result might be Bose Quiet Comfort, which is funny because that's uh, exactly the headphones that I use. They're excellent headphones, by the way. Um, and it says mentioned on TechNet, on Tom's Guide, and on Wired. Uh, um, now, that tells me that if you're the manufacturer of a product, it is very, very beneficial to get your product mentioned on authoritative sites. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that that's nothing new. We've always recommended that uh, it's a component of EAT. When the Quality Raiders Guidelines talk about EAT, they talk about what do experts say about your product, about your website. Uh, and so the one thing that concerns me about this is from years of doing link auditing work and from uh, looking at sites that have tried to manipulate the search results, we know uh, that some of these lists can be bought into. Um, I, I, you know, I would like to think that Google's algorithms are getting better at recognizing uh, consensus across the board uh, and recognizing truly good products. Uh, I don't think they're 100% there yet, but, um, uh, but I think it's very important uh, if you sell a product that you get mentioned on authoritative websites, websites that people trust when they talk about uh, your product. Um, the patent also talks about getting relevant information from user reviews. And so the example that they give is if a searcher did a query headphones for running. And yes, there are annotations that say mentioned on TechNet, mentioned on uh, Tom's Guide. And then there's another result for a different type of headphone. And the annotation that the patent says could appear in the search results um, pulls information from a review. So uh, it says running. Uh, it has all the reviews that it says there's 38 reviews uh, on this one particular website that talk about using these headphones for running. One of them says, I was looking for headphones that would not fall out of my ears when I run, that these headphones do the trick. Now, if you are somebody who runs and uses headphones, there's going to be a whole list of things that are important to you. Now, let's say I was a content writer who was writing content about, uh, you know, a product for headphones. I, if I am not a runner, I may not know what is important. And so I think, uh, I mean, I really feel it's important to get reviews from actual people. Uh, when uh, you look at Google's guidelines in terms of writing product review content, which we've talked about a whole lot because, again, Google has really, really been pushing uh, having good product reviews on our websites. One of the things that they say is do your 
reviews identify key decision-making factors for the product's category and how the product performs in those areas. They go on to say that a car review might determine that fuel economy, safety, and handling are key decision-making factors uh, and rate performance in those areas. So this is where often first-hand expertise comes in because if you are uh, simply trying to write what everybody else writes, what your competitors write, and say, oh, well, they put, you know, these four categories, so we'll do the same. Somebody who legitimately sells these products and hears the questions from, uh, from the people who actually use the products is going to have way more insight into what's important uh, to users and potential searchers. And Google wants to present results that are relevant, that are helpful to these types of searches. So one of the things that I think could be very helpful uh, if you have content that is in about products or about reviews is to mine your Search Console uh, data and look at Search Console and uh, you can do a search. So say you're, you're, uh, you, you sell headphones. You can search at who is looking for headphones. What queries do you have with headphones? Uh, and then what other attributes have your searchers uh, come to your website or what have you been getting impressions for? Perhaps you don't have uh, content that is this, a good, but you are getting impressions for headphones for running. Well, then you know that that's something important that you need to do. Um, as people leave reviews for your products, a lot of this just happens naturally. If your headphones are really good for running and they get known as, you know what, if you're a runner, these are the headphones you need to have, then naturally your reviews are going to mention that. But I think you can also lead your readers, lead your customers to leave reviews that have certain keywords in it, um, not in an unnatural way, but you could ask them, you know, have you used these headphones for running? If so, tell our readers what makes them good. Uh, and so I think that we're going to see uh, a lot of the really good content these days is going to have um, um, user uh, experience, uh, user forums, perhaps, uh, as Google gets better at figuring out what is actually good, true, valuable information, as opposed to just some of the junk that appears on forums. Um, there are other annotations that are mentioned in this patent. I'm not going to cover it fully in this episode. I'm trying to do a little bit of a shorter episode because they've gotten so, so long. Um, they, they do talk about media annotations, which I think is very interesting. I, I think that we're going to probably come back and talk about this more as we see more of the power of MUM, because we know that MUM uh, can help Google extract information from uh, images, from video, uh, and we're going to learn a lot. And I think we're going to see that there's a lot of information that is in the search results that maybe result in people not clicking through to our websites, uh, which is a little bit frightening uh, to many of us. So to sum up, uh, there's a diagram here. Again, if you're on YouTube, I'll, uh, I'll put this diagram up so you can see it, uh, that shows how the patent works. Now, anytime we talk about patents, we don't know that Google is using it. We don't know that Google's using it exactly like it is said. Uh, but this patent very clearly describes pros and con annotations, and we're seeing those in the search results. Um, the patent says the first step is to obtain a rank, obtain and rank a set of results that are responsive to the query. Uh, and so that to me sounds like Google's traditional information retrieval algorithms that say, oh, the searcher searched for this. Here's some results that seem to be relevant to this query. And then it says for at least some of the results, obtain annotations. Uh, and this is where the patent talks about using n-grams, about looking at the content, about looking at other people's content. It then scores the annotations 
limitations by their type. So maybe they are pros and cons. Uh, they talk about um, dimensions. Uh, one of the examples was if somebody did a search for a long skateboard, then if somebody's using the word long, it's probably important for them to have the dimensions uh, and, and in their uh, decision-making process. Next, they rank the annotations using annotation scores and types as features. What they're trying to do is figure out for this query, and we know that Google is, is getting better and better at understanding a searcher's intent. 2019 with BERT, Google said that BERT is incredibly good at understanding the intent of uh, behind a query. So for uh, this query, um, what would be the most helpful annotations to put in our search results? Uh, and then for each annotated result, provide the ranked annotations. So they, you know, they're not going to put every single annotation that they can extract. They're going to put the ones that are more likely to get the user uh, to say, wow, this actually met my search intent. This actually answered the question that I came to Google uh, to look for. So this all boils down to the thing that Google has been saying for as long as Google has existed is create good content, create content that truly answers the searcher's questions. I think that Google's recommendations for product reviews, uh, which I'll link to as well, are uh, very, very important. And I think that we should look at all of these not as like wishful thinking that, yeah, this is what kind of makes up good content, but things that Google's actually trying to measure and to replicate. I think not all of them uh, we're seeing yet, uh, but I do believe that we will. Um, in our newsletter this week, uh, which you can find at mariehaines.com slash newsletter, uh, for our premium subscribers, I go into more detail on Olaf Kopp's uh, article on micro-intents. Um, and also, uh, Cyrus Shepard had an article last year talking about different types of uh, clicks. There are some Google patents uh, that talk about how uh, being the first click somebody clicks on is helpful, uh, is a sign that maybe this is good content. In many cases, being the click that uh, the user spends the most time on, not always, uh, is important. And uh, also being the last click can kind of demonstrate that your page answered the searcher's questions. And we know that Google wants to rank content that, um, that really does meet the searcher's uh, intent. So this is a shorter episode than I usually do. Uh, if you are interested in hiring my team or I, you can reach out at help at mariehaines.com. I have to say on a little bit of a personal note, uh, this is been a really difficult couple of weeks uh, for me. Um, I'm not going to go into details, but I'm, I'm concerned. I'm going to be a bit of a downer here. I'm concerned about the world. And myself, I've had to let some of my staff go this week, which uh, has been one of the most horrible things ever. Um, they do not deserve it. They are wonderful, wonderful people and excellent workers. And if any of you are hiring, please do reach out to me uh, because I have some really good recommendations for you. Um, Several of our clients are really, really struggling with the cost of things are going up, uh, staff are getting sick, and uh, business is very, very difficult. Um, and so myself, I've had to let a couple of my staff go this week, which has been one of the hardest things I've ever, ever done. Um, and so I mention this because I've had many discussions with uh, SEO agency owners and freelancers, and I'm not alone in this. There are many, many businesses that are um, 
that are not thriving. So uh, MHC is still, you know, we're still taking clients. I am doing uh, some personal consulting now that we have less of a team. And so if you are interested in talking about your website with me, you can reach out to us as well at help at mariehaines.com. What I want to say is I've always been a very positive person. Uh, and when COVID started, uh, you know, I, I could see just so much hardship uh, and I could see that the world is struggling. I read today that Canada's healthcare system is collapsing. Um, um, there's there's a lot that's going on. So if you're struggling, you're not alone in this. Um, I do have hope that everything is going to work out. And uh, I think this is just going to be a very difficult time in history. And for me, the one of the things that brings me joy is to just analyze Google and figure things out. And so I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to be continuing to uh, to do podcast episodes and newsletter. Um, and uh, what's left of my team is going to be doing uh, all sorts of work with site reviews. We've built up a really, really good system for traffic drop assessments and for ongoing SEO consulting. So if you have the budget for that, I would love to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this hasn't been too much of a downer. I hope it's been interesting. If it has been interesting, I really would appreciate if you could like the video and uh, even subscribe. Um, that would really, really help me. Thank you so much, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.